Hello and welcome to the Daily Texan Forum podcast. I'm Alexander Chase, your host. And I'm your co-host, Leah Kasher. On this podcast, we'll be discussing current events here at UT with a few of our fellow guests who write for our Opinion Forum page. This week, we have Santiago Rosales, who is the speaker of the SG House, and will be talking to us about what is going on in SG. We'll also be discussing a few other hot topics here on campus. Santiago, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. Anytime we can invite you guys on to talk about all of the fun stuff you guys do, it's always a blessing. We're hoping that's quite a bit this year. Uh, definitely hoping for the same thing. We've got a lot of ideas for the coming year. Fantastic. We had the opportunity to stop by your first meeting, which was Tuesday nights. So y'all introduced the budget for this year and decided to add a few more positions underneath your comm director. So I know you guys have a lot of opportunity to do some great things with that money with those people. What is it that you guys are most excited to do this year? Um, so there's honestly a lot of things that we're excited for this year. Um, as you'll hear more and more about throughout the fall semester, Kevin and his administration uh, put in a lot of work over the summer with their different platform points. Uh, we're already seeing the implementation a little bit of the Ice to Ice campaign for Texas football, um, and there will be a lot of there will be a lot of programming from the executive branch. Uh, on the legislative side, where myself and the other representatives are, it's a little bit more policy based. Um, one of the things that we have coming up pretty soon is gender-inclusive bathrooms throughout campus legislation. Uh, a, f- a representative and the agency director of the Queer Students Alliance have been working on some resolutions over, over a few months now, and I'm very excited to see how that goes. Um, throughout the rest of the semester, there will be other conversations as well. Uh, we have ethics reform on our agenda for the semester. We have internship accreditation. Uh, there's a few reps working on research opportunities in COLA. Um, textbook, textbook affordability is also something else we're going to talk about. And then later in the semester, once we hear a little bit more about what the Texas legislature is uh, considering for its spring session, we'll definitely have some more conversations around higher education bills that come up. Um, we have, it's reasonable to believe that uh, tuition deregulation is going to be a topic as will tuition or higher education funding. Um, We are hopeful that we're able to uh, talk with representatives about increasing funding for the university. Um, We were able to do that two years ago. Uh, There's a lot of Longhorns down there fighting for students, and there's definitely more of an opportunity to increase that. Fantastic. So you touched on a few different issues there, both textbooks and with tuition that I know are near and dear to our Longhorns' hearts. I know that this week I still need to buy a few of my textbooks, how do y'all in SG plan on getting involved, and what can a broke college student like myself with a $200 economics textbook to buy expect my way, either from you or from someone at the Texas legislature? So the conversation around textbooks is a tricky one because the prices aren't set by the professors who, who require the book or even the co-op. Often those prices are set by publishing companies. Um, and so it's a very tricky conversation because the way my understanding of the textbook industry works is um, those companies publish the textbooks in the hope that professors throughout the country use them. Uh, the conversation around textbooks, though, at UT campus has been transforming a little bit um, in the sense that uh, instead of publishing with Pearson or McGraw-Hill, 
Uh, I recently found out that the co-op actually does publishing for quite a few professors here at UT. In fact, for my business law class, the hefty volume that we had to buy for that class uh, was published through the from a professor here at UT through the co-op. And honestly, the $50 price tag compared to my $200 finance book was just a lot more attractive. Um, so from a student perspective, I would say that uh, being observant of where the textbooks are coming from is, is a very important thing. Um, and talking with professors about uh, alternative textbooks is an important thing because though the professor may set a textbook for a semester uh, in their syllabi for now, there's always the opportunity for them to adjust that if they understand just the burden that students face with textbook prices. In a more, I guess, policy-based perspective, um, it's in addition to the specific publisher, there's another factor that matters when it comes to textbook prices. Um, an important factor is when professors submit their textbook request form. Uh, I was going through some of the old SG letters from a few years ago, and one thing that I found was back in 2011, there was an effort to encourage, remind professors to uh, submit their order request forms as of October. And I, I did a little bit of research, and my understanding is that if professors do it, if, the, if professors submit their requests ahead of time, it really saves students quite a pretty penny because the co-op is able to purchase or rent the books, purchase the books uh, ahead of time. They don't have to worry about them arriving by the first day of school. It's a very simple process. But if a professor were to wait for, say, two weeks before classes start, then they have to expedite the shipping and those costs get directly passed on to the students. So what this really comes down to then is y'all working on a resolution to encourage our professors here to get their orders in early so we save a bunch of money and hopefully actually buy those textbooks? I, I definitely think that the conversation is going to, for, the, for, for a while, take place on campus. Um, I think that the conversation that student leaders tried having, what it would be four years ago, was definitely to encourage professors to look out for the students in their classes and to make sure that they were able to, that the co-op was able to fulfill the textbook requests. Um, from a policy perspective, there are some aspects that could be dealt with within the legislature, uh, but it's a matter of just seeing how much the legislature regulates this university first. Interesting. Well, really looking forward to see what y'all can do for us this year. I hope that when your legislative session is up, you can look back fondly of it and have something to brag about. So we're going to move on now to discuss some slightly more lighthearted topics in what we're going to call our horns up, horns down segment. We're doing some quick hot takes on some current events here around campus and around the world. Our first issue of great importance, a team of Russian scientists announced that they detected a radio signal they cannot rule out being intelligent life elsewhere in the nearby galaxy, only 95 light years away. Santiago, how would you feel about intelligent life here in the, not too far from us? You know, it's a little intimidating in the sense that it's already pretty difficult to get into UT. It's kind of <laughs> difficult to get into McCombs. And, you know, you already have to get used to not being at the top of your class I don't, I don't know how we would deal with aliens that are from an intelligent civilization. 
Leah, I know we're both liberal arts students. Santiago, you're finance. Best of luck with that. <laughs> um, are we sure that there is intelligent life here at this university? Um, I would debate it sometimes within certain classes, but I would be very much down to see some aliens. I would like to know what they look like. I would like to know how they speak. I'm really okay with this. Personally, sorry about McCombs, but I'm okay with it. So that's a horns up from you? Horns up, yeah. And for you, Santiago, less so? Horns down? I mean, I'd be down to meet them. I'm a little intimidated, but it's it's still going to be a horns up for me. Fantastic. I'm a I'm a little bit wary of competition myself. I mean, the jobs market's only okay these days. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On to a little bit more sobering topic. The DWI numbers in Austin have increased since Uber and Lyft chose to leave in May. Um, well, it was their choice to leave. This is something that Prop 1 advocates, largely funded by their money, were very quick to point out. Is this something that we should be worried about? What do we think on this? The way I see it, uh, it's sort of just a situation where the city's adjusting to a change in its transportation methods. Um, I definitely think that students and anyone that does go down to the entertainment district should be careful when they decide to get behind the wheel, should be very conscious of when they do so. Um, I know that a lot of students uh, were very particularly adamant about either being for or against Prop 1, but there was definitely a concern regardless of what side the people were on that uh, ride sharing was an important component of transportation here in Austin. And I think that if someone sees someone that shouldn't be behind the wheel, they should definitely encourage them to get a fare or call get me to ping get me. See, there's so many options these days. Leah, you been so lucky to try any of the mounts? Yeah, I've actually used... Uh, Fasten, Fair, and Ride Austin, and they've all worked really well. I haven't had to wait longer than, like, three minutes for one, um, but I asked a driver once about the wait times, and he said they're a little bit longer than Uber and Lyft used to be, like, 15 minutes. Um, there's actually a Business Insider article that brought up a really interesting point that the benefit of Uber and Lyft leaving is that Austin's going to start acting as a startup incubator for apps like this and hopefully build other safer options um, in addition to the ones that have already come to Austin and have already taken the place to some extent. Well, that solves my jobs problem. So (laughs) I guess that's a little bit of a horns neutral again. How are y'all feeling on that? I'm going to go with a horns neutral on this one as well. I would say the same. Um, Positives and negatives. Yeah. Fantastic. And then on to something near and dear to many Longhorn fans out there's hearts. Big 12 expansion was announced that Eastern Carolina is officially out of the running to become the next member of the Big 12 conference. They were pretty into sharing all the benefits of their programs on Twitter until it was announced that they are no longer candidates. Where is it that you guys would like to see our Longhorns playing our conference games in the future. So I might be a little bit biased. I'm from Houston. I will always rep H-Town. So seeing the Big 12 expand into Houston would be a pretty nice thing. Although I'm not going to lie, going to a game in Florida would also be pretty cool. Personally, I'm a little bit interested in uh, finding my way over to 
you know, maybe Colorado State sounds interesting. Their programs are doing well of late. And, uh, you know, I do miss uh, being able to include that great state in our conference. But I have to say I'm a little bit biased to the uh, University of Manitoba Buffaloes, my mom's alma mater. have to be my first choice. I think that's a solid choice. You know, you can't go wrong with, you know, the SEC can count 16 schools, but how many countries can they count in their conference? On to our last topic for the day. During the Panhellenic Rush period, video of 80 Pies door chant went viral, as much as I hate that term. Now, Leah, you were a little bit involved with Rush this year, and Santiago, I'm sure that you have members of Greek Life Senior Assembly, as long as some other people who may be a little bit concerned about diversity. Um, do we feel the treatment they received on Twitter and elsewhere was fair? Do we feel like there's some appropriate criticisms to be had there? Um, well, I would say that Panhellenic generally... I would say that generally Greek life across the nation is not as diverse as it should be and needs to be. And as someone who went through Rush last year and as, as, as a sorority woman myself, um, I would say that we definitely lack girls who aren't blonde and blue-eyed, which is a serious problem. Um, and I think that the criticism was at first just like to the shrillness of their voices and to the fact that people aren't used to Rush in the South, which is very different than most of the United States. But as that evolved into a discussion about race, I think that was completely 100% necessary. And I'm really glad that this opened that door um, for this kind of a discussion. So I'm not personally familiar with the Rush process uh, that women go through here at the University of Texas. Um, so I can't speak from experience, but I think, uh, but I think, you know, in some ways, social media does offer a medium to which people tend to make sharper comments that they might make in person. That being said, though, the conversation about diversity in sororities is always an important one to have. It's a conversation we had over the summer, uh, with regard to political internships. There was a picture of Paul Ryan's internship class and followed with quite a few uh, internship photos from across the nation, uh, just contrasting the diversity available for some positions in the country. Um, and at the end of the day, it's an important conversation to have definitely, uh, and probably one that we'll continue to have until uh, students and people from marginalized backgrounds have a little bit more access to opportunities that they don't currently at the moment. Fantastic. I agree. I think that what comes out of this is that we understand that social media is a great place to have discourse, but no matter where you're at having that discourse, whether it be in person or on your couch in your pajamas at one in the morning while devouring an entire bag of hot Cheetos, that it's not acceptable to, uh, you know, to belittle, to attack people for their personal traits. Um, I have friends in ADPI and I have friends who have legitimate reasons to feel excluded from Greek life on campus their lives and their concerns matter and having a discourse about that is going to require that we treat both sides with respect excluding talking down upon and personally attacking women whether it's through a screen or in person isn't something that anyone should be in the business of and i'm hoping that something good can come out of this 
with that, we'll be wrapping up for the night. Thank you for tuning in. Please make sure to check out many of our other Daily Texan podcasts, including our soon-to-launch Politics and Pints, in which Jordan Shanarhar and I will talk in-depth political issues on a less serious level. Look we'll hear from us next week. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast was produced by The Daily Texan and hosted by Alexander Chase and Leah Kasher with special guest Santiago Rosales and the music was by Jazar. Be sure to check back next week for our next episode and for more news and opinions, go to dailytexanonline.com.